Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. As you're doing that, let me ask you, how many of you remember the old eight ball? Remember the eight ball that you had uh, growing up that you could shake and, and ask a question, you'd shake it and see what it would say? Um, the, the, the thing about the eight ball was it, it had lots of answers. In fact, let's take a quiz. How many know how many answers an eight ball could give you? Any, anybody know? Uh, uh, Marshall Bailey is going to uh, take you to dinner today or buy your dinner if you can do this. No, I'll tell you what, Marshall, I'll buy the dinner, all right? I'm, I'm confident in this one. Uh, how many? Anita's got seven. Eight. Eight. Nine. No. No. Twenty. Twenty. There's twenty responses in an eight ball. And, uh, in fact, the, 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 how many, what's a, what's a, here's a, this is a freebie, and I'm not buying you dinner if you know this, because somebody's liable to know this one. Uh, I only take the ones I can get, right? So, uh, what's the, what's the one, uh, what's a 20-sided object? What? It's close. It's, uh, isoconodon, I I wrote it down, because I knew I'd forget it. Uh, isoconahedron. Well, yeah, what? Yeah, you like what you said. I said the same thing. You just, I said it in Ronnieville English, and you said it in Barron County English. So that's how we do. So um, you know, eight ball. So you know, eight ball had twenty different responses. So, so I mean, think about it. If I had the eight ball with me this morning, I'd go. Am I going to preach long? You'd shake it. Yes, probably. You know, would be would be the response. Uh, or you remember when you were in high school and you were trying to figure out if she'd go out with you or he'd go out with you. Is she gonna go, she gonna say yes? Not a chance. You know, it's one of those things that we did and, and, and the, the thing is we do that and we were like, oh, you know. Because here's the thing, we like to know information, don't we? I mean, uh, we really like it when we know something that nobody else knows, right? That we can just kind of get excited because we know the answer and nobody else knows. Um, we are people who, who do that. Now, some people struggle because they don't know what's about to happen. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there are people in this world who if I said, hey, let's, let's spend the day together and we're going to take a trip, you'd ask 20 questions before you agreed to go because you want to make sure you know everything. You don't have to look or point at anybody at this moment. I, I saw that. Uh, you, you, you are one of those that have to ask 20 questions before you go. Because, why is that? Because we're more comfortable knowing what we're walking into than what the unknown is, aren't we? And we, we're that way spiritually as well. I've got a friend that's, that, um, well, it's a fairly new friend that I, I see fairly regularly anymore. 
And I love this person because most every conversation I have with this person, this person is telling me what God is doing in their prayer life. That they're praying and seeking the Lord's face. And God continues to reveal things to them. And I love that about that person because it reminds me and, and causes me to pause and go, how often am I doing that or am I just caught up with everything else? Now, this person doesn't have all the answers, but they got a strong prayer life. And even in the unknowns, they're confident in what God is doing. This morning, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. And it's a familiar passage. In fact, if I told you we're looking at the first 10 verses and you looked at it, you'd go, I, yeah, I, I, I know this passage. I, I know what happens here. But I want you to, to, to erase that, and I want you to look at it with some fresh eyes. Because I want us to see, this is, this is a moment when God calls Moses out. And it's the same thing. It, what happens in this text is the same thing that God does for you and I. He has to draw us out so that he can draw us in. He has to bring us to a point where we are ready to move. And over the last few weeks when we looked at Exodus, we've, we've seen all the highs and the lows in Moses' journey. But today comes a moment for for God to call Moses. So if you have your Bible and you are at Exodus uh, chapter 3, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? Beginning in verse uh, 1. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Hebron, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire within the bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called out, out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here am I, he answered. Do not come any closer, he said. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them cry out because of their oppressions. I know about their sufferings. And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, flowing with milk and honey, to a territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because of the Israelites' cry for help, uh, the cry for help has come to me, I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, 
Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You may be seated. Here's the idea I want you to catch this morning. <laughs> Believers can know God's plan and purpose for their life only when they watch for God to reveal himself to them. Catch that. Believers can, can uh, uh, Anita's up here going, sorry, she didn't know I had my remote with me this morning. Believers can know God's plan and purpose for their life only when they watch for God to reveal himself to them. In this text, what we're going to find is God is revealing himself to Moses, but you got to catch this point. Moses is paying attention for God. He is alert and watching for God. We come to this moment, and as Moses has left Egypt, he's found a family. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about him, his compassion for people and watering the, the camels. He gets a wife for doing that. If you're single, you might try that. I don't know. Um, but anyhow, it, it, he gets a family, and now this young man who once was a prince... In Egypt is now a shepherd. Now, I want you to get that because those things aren't on the same level. Now, there's nothing wrong in our culture of, of, of things that are not on the same level, but in this culture, it was a major difference. I mean, only the lowly handled sheep. It wasn't, it wasn't that great of a job. It wasn't that impressive. It, it certainly wasn't a, a way you were going to climb the corporate ladder. So Moses goes from this prince, now he's out in this field. And, and really the truth of the matter is God's helping him understand what shepherding looks like because he's about to shepherd God's people. And so this morning, I, I want us to, to notice this burning bush moment. And, and, and let's be honest, how many of us have wished God would show up and, and, and speak to us like a burning bush moment? Okay, there's a few of us. The rest of you, God must. But there are days we wish, God, just answer me. Why don't you just show up like the burning bush? And the truth of the matter is, as you read through Scripture, how many burning bushes were there in Scripture? Just this one. I mean, God doesn't show up again in a burning bush. Now, he shows up in a variety of different ways. But only to Moses. So, so. We can't be praying for burning bushes because I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Because if that was God's way he would do it, he, we would see it through Scripture. But here's the thing we do know is God is speaking all throughout Scripture to people. So we can have burning bush-like moments in our life. We can have those moments where God is speaking to us. So let me share with you six things this morning that we get out of this text to help us understand how you and I can have moments where God speaks to us like he did with Moses. First thing I want you to catch this morning is be on the lookout for God. You got to be on the lookout for God. You, you got to be aware in thinking about God. Uh, look what verse 2 tells us. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire within a bush as Moses, what? Looked. 
He saw the burning bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. Some translations said, say that he turned aside. In other words, that he was doing something and he turned back to go figure out the, what was going on. Because here's the thing. A burning bush in the desert, you reckon that's a common occurrence? Yes, it is. But do you think one that's not burning up is a common occurrence? No, it's not. And so Moses recognizes something's different about this, and so I need to go look. He is aware and alert. How many times do we go through our days and we're not very alert or aware of what's going on? We're so focused on the things that we've got to do that we miss out on opportunities left and right. We are so focused on trying to do the things that we know we're supposed to do that we forget that God's got a plan and a purpose. That God has something for us. We get so drawn into everything else we forget to look for God. We forget to look for God and see where God is at work. Do you see God at work? Or are you consumed with the things that you have going on? You see, the thing for Moses is God has to draw him out to draw him in. He has to draw him away so he can realize what he needs to be drawn into. But in order for that to happen, he has to be aware and look for God. So how do you, what, is, what does that look like for you and I? How do we, how do we look for God? Well, it's simple. We, we've got to invite God to be a part of our day. We've got to invite God to be a part of our day. Look at this text here. Uh, Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. You get this imagery here? A longing for God. I thirst for God, the living God. And when I can, when I can come and appeal before God. Are you thirsting for God? Well, let's take a quiz here. Think back on this week. Uh, let's pick a day this week, Thursday. You got Thursday in mind? Begin thinking about your Thursday. What, what all did you do on Thursday? How did Thursday look for you? When you think about Thursday, think about how much of Thursday did you give to God? I mean, did you give God anything? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Maybe, maybe your Thursday, you, you, you had time alone with God, and that's, that's wonderful. Maybe you got up and woke up late and rushed to do what you had to do. We had doctor's appointments. We had a, this appointment. We had to go meet these people. We had to, and before you knew it, Thursday came to a close when you were laying your head on the pew. Think of it this way. If you gave God any time on Thursday, how would God review your time with him? If you were in your Bible study reading and, and did you focus on God or did you, were your mind chasing rabbits? I have, to, I have to sometimes back up because my mind will chase rabbits when I'm trying to focus on God. I'll, I'll begin to think, oh, I got to do this and this is, all these things pop in my head. And if I don't pay attention, I can go through that whole quiet time, that time with God, and miss everything about God. 
But if you gave time to God, let's compare it to, to your spouse if you're married. If you gave your spouse the same amount of time that you gave God on Thursday, would your spouse say you have a healthy marriage? If you gave your children the same amount of time you gave God on Thursday, would your children feel like you love them? You see, you answer those questions and that will determine how, mu how much you're looking for God in your day. How much you're, you're connected and in tune. We have, to, we have to be looking on the, have an awareness that God is a real. And we have to be inviting God into the, our life throughout our entire day. Second thing I want us to catch from this text is practice safe distancing regarding sin. Now listen, we're understanding the practicing safe distancing, right? If there's ever been a time in history we get practicing safe distancing, it's right now. So I, this doesn't need that much of an illustration, but I want you to look and see what happens here. In verse 5 it says, do not come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Now there's a reason that there is this, this practicing of safe distancing. Because God is holy. And mankind is what? We're unholy. And so we have to recognize if we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, we've got to practice safe distancing from sin. That our sin affects our relationship with God. That our sin affects our relationship not only with God, but with mankind. That our sin affects our relationship with everyone we come in contact. And so God says to Moses, stop, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Now, there's nothing, you look at that and you go, well, why take off your sandals? There's not a lot there that we can say because we don't find that in other cases, we, we find Jacob wrestles with God, and yet he wears his shoes. Uh, we, we find Jesus and the disciples on the mountain, and, and they've got their shoes on. So, so we know that there's nothing except there's just this moment to of God right here. And you and I have to recognize that holiness. If we want to hear from God, our sin cannot be greater than our love for God. Our sin cannot be greater than our love for God. Now, listen to this verse here. 1 John 3, 6 and 7 says, Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. And children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Here's the thing. If you truly know God and are in love with God, there is this love relationship that happens in which you recognize what sin is and you, and you deal with it. Now, the Bible tells us for all have what? Sinned. And we cannot use that as an excuse. It's just the fact that we've all sinned. And we cannot spend our time evaluating our sin to somebody else's sin. 
Because the Bible doesn't give us that opportunity. Nor does the Bible, nor can we say, well, that's just a little white lie or a little sin. Do you realize the Bible does not rank sin? If you are a gossip, it's just as bad as if you're a thief. If you can't tell the truth, it is just as bad as if you've committed adultery. The Bible gives no scale on sin. If it's sin, guess what? It's sin. And we live in a world where we've got this sliding scale. Well, you've only done this, so you get this kind of a punishment. You've done this, you get a little more. If you've done this, you get a greater punishment. But that's not how God works. What sin is sin. And God calls us to confess that, to deal with that, and to overcome that. So we've got to learn to distance ourselves from our sin if we want to hear from God. Maybe today, maybe today one of the reasons God doesn't speak to you is because of the sin in your life. Maybe it's the gossip. Maybe it's what you do behind closed doors. Maybe it's what you look at on the internet. Maybe it's how you treat people. Maybe it's a hard heart. You've got to distance yourself if you want to hear from God. Third thing I want you to catch from this text is you've got to walk in obedience to God's command. Walk in obedience to God's command. Now, catch this. This is one of those moments where we, we have to take some liberty with the text. Um, verse 5, we just read it. It tells us, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for your own holy ground. Then the next verse just jumps right into God speaking to Moses. What does... Moses do when God says take off your feet take off your sandals you're on holy ground do you think he said no thanks do you think he's fearful that he had a hole in his sock and didn't want to you know okay he didn't wear socks but that's my fear when I have to walk in somebody's house says, why don't you take your shoes off that's why I just start stop wearing socks no. What Moses do? Took his sandals off. There, there's an act of obedience here. Now next week we'll get into the excuses Moses give, but, but, but understand this. Moses hears God and he is obedient. He, he does take off his sandals. He does, he does listen. Sometimes we know God's calling us or leading us to do something and We're a little hesitant. God's put something on our heart that we need to do. Maybe it's to call somebody. Maybe it's to visit somebody. Maybe it's to write a note. Maybe it's to deal with something. And we just, other things take over that we won't do it. There has to be obedience. If you're going to expect God to tell you and speak to you, he's expecting you to be obedient. If you are not going to be obedient, why would he tell you? Right? He's not going to tell you if you won't be obedient. You've got to be willing to say yes. Fourth thing, I'm trying to count, I've lost count. Scholar, I, let me, I want to brag on Scholar for a second. Scholar 
Owens, you see her on the, on the platform, one of our high school students, junior, yeah. She takes notes religiously, you know. I, if I forget a point, if she had it, she'd tell me what it was. In fact, I could get to the end and go, okay, I can't remember my five points. She can. She, she's got a whole eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper over here that she's taking notes. And I love that about her because what's that tell us about her? She's trying to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God. But I thought about you this morning when I said I got six points. I thought, oh, see, I was going to hand cramp. Okay. Rabbit. So here we go. Uh, live in fear of God. Live in fear of God. Verse 6 tells us this. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Catch this. Moses comes to this moment and he realizes, he realizes he's in the presence of God. And he hides his face. Now, earlier in the text, where it, we read where it says, uh, the, the Lord called from the bush, Moses, Moses. In, in, ancient hist- in ancient Eastern times, if you called somebody by their name twice, it was a form of, of compassion and care. And so you knew it was somebody who loved you, and so you, were, you, you would not have, uh, be afraid. And so he knows that. He walks into this presence, and he begins to have this conversation, still uncertain about who this is, and then... Now it's the God of your father, God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And we see what Moses does. He hides his face because, because he's in fear. You see, they had, it had long been understood if you see the face of God, you'd be cursed. You remember when Jacob wrestles with God in the night? In Genesis 32, he says, Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God's face, uh, God, seen God face to face. And he said, yet my life has been spared. That's a big deal. Because you can't see God face to face, and God lets him live. Now he walks away with a limp. <laughs> but Samson's uh, dad, um, Man- Mananoah, said this to his wife in Judges 13, 22. He says, we're certainly going to die, he said to his wife, because we have seen God. So there's this, there's this understanding that if you, if you see God, I've jumped to the point, if you see God, you will you'll die. So what does the fear of the Lord look like? John Piper says it this way, fearing is corresponding with humility lowliness and sensitive sensitivity of heart it is the idea it is the idea of having both a fear of who god is and the power of god and the recognition of your sinfulness you recognize god's power and his love but you also recognize your sinfulness. And so there's this trembling before God, this recognizing honor, recognizing holiness, recognizing righteousness, and recognizing your unworthiness. All in the same, all in the same kind of thing. And so Moses has this fear of God, and when he 
when he speaks, he hides his face. Do you fear God? Not in the sense that God could strike you dead, but just in the sense of how holy he is and unholy we are. Do you have a sense of longing for God in a sense that you, you want to, to know God's will, but yet you recognize you're unworthy to know that, and he, but yet he is gracious? I mean, what's your view of God? Have you thought about that? Do you see God as somebody like on Facebook that you friend or you follow? I mean, think about it. Friend of God, which is not a, it's not a bad idea. It's not as scripture teaches us. But in our culture with social media, friend doesn't really mean what scripture talked about a friend of God. You know, because friends on social media, if you're on social media, and you, maybe this is you, maybe not, but maybe you have people on your social media that you're friends with that you really not, don't know. I mean, you're in the same circle, you, you know, they, they knew your, your brother, your sister in high school, y'all were in this, but really, do you really know them? Are you really their friend? I mean, are you inviting them over for the picnic at your house when COVID ends? Or are you just kind of acquaintances? Sometimes I think we take God and go, well, this is, he's my acquaintance. And we don't say that because that's just wrong, but we treat him like our acquaintance. We only, we only follow him or like him when we need him. We're only calling on him when times are in trouble. Or there's nothing else to do, so we'll go to church, or you know, we'll we'll read our Bible today. Oh, I thought about that. A fear of God is is an, an awe of God, knowing how great, powerful, but yet loving and kind, and a desire to to know Him. So we see this. We see. We see that Moses is looking for God. He's separating himself from his sin. He's being obedient. He has a fear of God. And number five, celebrating God's character or God's care and compassion. Moses comes to a place and as he hears the Lord, there's this, there is no doubt this joy in his heart because when, when God speaks to him, he says, says these words, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them cry out because of their oppression, oppressors and I know about their sufferings. And we won't spend much time here because over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about God's care and compassion for the people of Israel. But at this moment in God's calling of Moses, when he's drawing him out, he's helping him understand for the first time in Moses' life, he's hearing God's compassion and love for people. Now for you and I, on this side of the scriptures, we, we can read the entire works of God and know how much he loves us because he sent his son, Jesus Christ. But in this moment for Moses, it's a powerful moment because he now knows the God who he loves also cares about the people he loves. 
are you compassionate and caring? Do you recognize God as a compassionate God or do you, or do you get angry with God because he's not acting the way you think he ought to act? When you look at the violence, when you look at things happening, when you see moments, do you struggle with God or are you realizing God is a compassionate God? He's bigger than, our, than us, that he's got something bigger in store. If we're going to spend, if we're going to know who God is and we're going to hear from God, we've got to understand he's compassionate and we're supposed to be compassionate and caring. Lastly, believe God can still use you. Believe God can still use you. Verse 10 says, therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now I'm I'll touch on this and then next week if you know the story of Moses well you know that he gives all these excuses and um, if you don't want to hear excuses or hear me say there's no such thing as excuses you might want to skip next Sunday because God lays, lays it out to Moses that they ain't no excuse. In fact Moses comes to a point where he says would you just send somebody else and God goes nah not going to do it. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it on you next week on that, okay? But think about Moses at this moment. Moses in his mind could have thought, I'm going to screw up. My life is so mixed up. I mean, I should have been dead, was raised by somebody that wasn't my mother, went out and killed a man, then got caught doing it, had to flee. I was a prince, and now I'm a shepherd. Ain't no sense God using me. God won't. God can't use somebody like me. On top of that, most, <laughs> be careful here. On top of that, Moses is getting older. Right? I mean, it's been 40 years. He ain't no spring chicken anymore. Anybody can relate? Yeah, you don't want to say amen because you know where this is going. <laughs> but God comes and says, I'm sending you. So here's the question. Do you believe God can still use you? At your age, at, with your disabilities, with you fill in the blank. Can God still use you? I'm, I'm going to answer it for you. Yes. You just got to believe that. You have to believe that. You've got to believe that God is still in the business of using people. That there's no such thing as a retirement plan. There's no such thing as being too old. There's no such thing as I can't when it comes to God. It's just yes, Lord. I've told you before, my favorite, one of my favorite shows growing up, at our, at our house we had two shows that were always on. On, on the afternoons, five o'clock every 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 afternoon, Andy Griffith came on. We sat down and watched Andy. Um, six o'clock, uh, no, after the news, yeah, it was maybe six o'clock. I forget. I don't remember. Six thirty. Mash came on, and I like Mash. I'm a I'm a Mash kind of guy. I enjoy watching that show. Uh, and one of my favorite uh, characters in Mash is Klinger. 
Um, Not that I relate to Klinger. I'm not going to wear a dress. I'm not going to do any of those types of things. But Klinger was always wanting a Section 8, if you remember. And he'd do just about anything to get a Section 8. But when Radar left to go home to be with his mom, uh, because he had to run the family farm, they promoted Klinger to Radar's job. And for the first however long it was, things were a mess. Paperwork was a mess. They couldn't find things. Supplies were getting there. I mean, people kept, kept getting on Klinger, and Klinger kept saying, radar this, radar this. Radar, you know, radar could do this, and I can't do this. And Potter brings Klinger to the side and says, listen, you've just got to be you. Don't be Radar. Be Clinger. Do it the way you need to do it. Here's the thing. I believe God's in the business of using people. He's not going to use you like he uses somebody else because you two, you are not like somebody else. You are unique. You are gifted in a unique way. Not everybody can... Can, can teach, but others serve. Others do things, sing, and all sorts of things. But you have to believe that God can use you. Really, if you don't believe God can still use you, the question would be, why would God share anything with you? Because at the end of the day, what's our role? is to praise and honor him. See, it's not his job to give himself praise. It's our job to praise and honor him. And, and how do we do that? Be, by being obedient servants who are his hands and feet, who are his mouthpiece. And if you're unwilling or don't believe God can use you, then maybe that's the reason why he's not been speaking to you. Maybe you need to stop and go, God, how can you use me? How can you speak to me? What can I do for the kingdom? This morning, if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the beginning step. Maybe God has been impressed upon your heart that you need to trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's the case this morning, I want to remind you uh, of a telephone number that's not on the screen, but I'll tell it to you. 270-681-681. 2363 270-681-2363 that'll get right to me you can text or call that number I'd love to share Jesus with you I'd love to tell you how you can come to know Christ but maybe there's a different different decision on your heart maybe it's maybe today's the day to rededicate maybe it's to say God I, I've been running down a path I don't need to go I need to come back would you text that number call that number 270-681-2363 because God wants to work in your life maybe you're here and maybe you want to make a decision to join our church family or maybe you're watching online and, and one of these decisions are, are on your heart today you too text or call that number whatever the case would you say yes to the Lord I believe with all my heart God wants to speak and use all of us in this room, but 
we have to be ready and willing. God is drawing us out to draw us in. Would you, would you be drawn out today? Drawn out from your self-centeredness, your fears, your failures, so that God can draw you in and remind you that his grace is greater.